and welcome to Say Hi to the Future, a podcast aimed at highlighting the human side of ingenuity, clever, inventive, and original thinking. My name is Ken Tenser, CEO of SpiderWorks, a leading business consultancy for mid-market organizations and entrepreneurs globally. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. With me today is Jeff Parsons, CEO and founder of The Inclusion Imperative, an independent diversity, equity, and inclusion consultancy. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. Jeff Parsons, welcome to Say Hi to the Future. Thank you, Ken. Good to be here. So, Jeff, let's start with something really pretty incredible. Um, You received a very important award recently, um, the 100, well, named one of the 100 most influential LGBTQ plus people in the UK. That that shows incredible passion and commitment, you know, to, to... improving the lives of many so tell us a little bit about the award and the award and what led up to that it's quite humbling to receive these awards actually i mean that 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 one you're referring to i think is the is the pride power list that's published every year by the guardian which is one of the leading national newspapers here um and uh you know i i snuck onto that list i think just around 99 i think this year um but i'm you know it's on the top 100 and that's fine both gratifying and enormously humbling to to receive these these accolades it's uh, it, you know the, the, perhaps the extreme example if you go on youtube and, and google me at the british lgbt awards in 2019 when i much to my astonishment because i was up against a couple of very high profile people i, I won the inspirational leader of the year award and there's a video of me trying to co- cobble together an acceptance speech while looking like i'd been hit by a truck you know as i was so surprised because you know none of us does this for 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 a claim well i i certainly don't and i'm sure that you know almost nobody else does it's 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 gratifying but extraordinarily humbling when it happens because you know what we're actually doing is you know pursuing a passion pursuing a, a cause which we believe in and you know it's it's um it's it's a byproduct of that but that's that's really all, all it is and and the advantage that it has is it does obviously give me a platform by which to amplify the message that I'm, you know, I'm trying to to send out to to people whose whose lives I can touch. And you know, I spend most of my time trying to talk to, you know, just because of my age and, and relative seniority before before I, I, I gave up the world of banking. I you know spent my time trying to talk to fairly senior people, trying to get them to embrace inclusion in 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 the workplace and beyond. Um, and that's not just LGBTQ plus inclusion, but being a gay man that's obviously you know where i come from you know is my lived experience and you know the the ability to to get their attention through having received some some nods from from you know organizations like the guardian which everybody knows because it's a very famous you know right right national newspaper does help in that regard and um you know I, one day I'll, I'll get over you know being embarrassed talking about all these things but uh you know it, it is nice to, to receive some recognition for the work that you do, even though none of us does it for that. Well, very well deserved. I actually did watch the video actually about a <laughs> half an hour ago, and and you did very well for, for your description of um, looking like you've been hit by a truck. So <laughs> give yourself more credit. You did very, <laughs> you seem to get over it and be very coherent. So. Yeah. Well, I'm used to speaking in public and you just have to channel that, that, that sort of, uh, you know, okay, focus, we can do this. Yeah. So inclusion, 
DEI, what does it really mean? What does it mean to you and to the organizations you work with? I mean, what it comes down to for me is um, the importance of difference, actually. Um, People shy away from different. People don't like change. I mean, inherently, humans are creatures of habit. We like you know, we like routine. We, we find comfort in tribalism. We, we get set in our ways. If we just stay doing all of that, nothing ever changes. We would still be, you know, living in caves, frankly, but we're not because somebody was prepared to step up and do something different. And, and it's the difference that makes the, di- you know, makes the difference and, and, and creates all progression. So difference is the root of all progress. As far as I'm concerned, it's about, you know, the, 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 the progress paradox of, of the person being unreasonable and adapting the environment to themselves rather than vice versa. It sounds like it's unreasonable and, and you know, if it's unreasonable, then it's necessary. That's what creates change and, and progress. So for me, an inclusive work environment is one that that doesn't just tolerate or accept difference. It actually actively embraces and celebrates it and and, and sees it for the value that it can it, it can offer. Um and that's value in in all, all sorts of senses, but it's you know it's it's definitely commercial value. If you are a, a commercial organization, the the endless studies have proven the value of, of 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 being inclusive and to be inclusive you need to be inclusive of something and it is inclusive of diversity by which which is another way of saying difference so you know it, it's enormously powerful as a as a commercial tool it's not just a, a nice to have and a moral compulsion which you know certainly it is but you know i i work for myself and i called my my consultancy the inclusion imperative specifically because I believe it is an imperative for the organizations that I'm working with to, to, to see it that way. It is not an imperative. It, it is an imperative. It's not a discretionary and nice to have. And it's imperative for more than one reason. And that includes, you know, commercial well-being for the, or, or maximization of value for, for the, the organization itself. So for me, that's what, what it, what it means. Um, you know, obviously we all know what we think diversity means. We all know what we think equity means. Um, and certainly I'm coming at it from the inclusion perspective is, is as much as you can have all the diversity you want. You're not going to achieve inclusion unless you layer on specific procedures to make sure that the, the, the sum of all those different parts comes to more than, than it would do if you just added up the parts themselves. So it's, it's super important to me to, to overlay diversity with equitable thinking, but really inclusive thinking in order to celebrate difference. So when organizations come to you at the inclusion imperative, are you finding that they're coming because, look, we've got to check the box, you know, DEI is important. I mean, and, and boy, we might get audited or called right. out. Or or is there that real desire to say, it's okay to be nice to people. <laughs> In fact, it's a good thing yeah. to be I mean, nice to everyone. Because some ways, Jeff, it really is that simple. <laughs> Well, ultimately, yeah, we do want everyone to be nice to each other. It's, I mean, it makes makes the working day an awful lot more more pleasant and and agreeable, right? But um, no, I mean, to answer your question, it, it is it is a mix, unfortunately. I mean, there are a lot of pressures on organisations to, you know, which does you know often do do kind of push them towards what I would call maybe more a compliance mentality than a than a box ticking mentality. But you know, everybody is. In recent years, been embracing the ESG, the Environmental, Social, and Governance Agenda, and you know, diversity, equity, inclusion sits squarely under the S in in that that equation. So there's a, a lot of reporting around 
particularly the E and the G, just because they are more easily reportable. You know, it's, you know, you can get your stats out about what you're doing, you know, in the, in the, in the green space and, and what you're doing around governance, uh, you know, anti-modern slavery and things like that. What do you do in the social? It's, it's, it's much harder to, to gather data uh, in that regard. So people do tend to go for the obvious, which is the more visible minority characteristics, which tends to be more related to gender and, uh, and, and, and ethnicity. I understand that, but, you know, and it, it became acutely the case after, you know, in the UK a few years ago, gender pay gap reporting became mandatory. Um, I think that was about five years ago. And suddenly there was a, you know, a, a flurry of, of effort to, to promote women, um, you know, really without setting them, doing much more than setting them up for failure because, you know, they weren't being given the, the sponsorship or, or, you know, the, the, the learnings or, or mentoring that was really necessary to, to give of their best in, in the roles. They were really effectively being asked to be more like men, which inherently mm-hmm. you know, they're not. So they were set up for failure, but, you know, they were ticking boxes, you know, put people around the table and say, look how many women we've got, but they certainly weren't celebrating their difference to, to go back to my previous point. And the same thing, obviously with, with, uh, with ethnic ethnicity, you can just, you know, collect the data and say, we have this many people of X mi- mi- minority ethnicity, you know, great, you know, so what, you know, where's the value added in that? And that's the trouble is, you know, the data lends itself more to diversity than inclusion. You know, we we, we do struggle with sort of measuring inclusion, but there are ways you can do it. And it, it comes down to, you know, seeing the, 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 the results of what you do indirectly in the workplace, the, the payoffs of the things that we were talking about earlier, which do ultimately not only, you know, create better employee well-being, but therefore better Com- commercial results ultimately for the organization itself. So, you know, I, I always have to take a little bit of a, a, a due diligence approach when when I'm speaking to potential clients because, you know, to be quite candid, I'm not interested in being, you know, a token person. You know, a, you know, let, let's get somebody who ticks a few boxes. You know, I don't get it as much as other people because, you know, I've, I've got layers of privilege. I'm sitting here as a middle-aged, middle-class, white, cis man. You know, it's, so I'm not ticking that many minority boxes i'm really just one which is you know, the invisible characteristic of being lgbtq plus but you know to the extent that sometimes that does happen and because of my reputation i do get asked to, to do things by organizations you know who sometimes aren't doing it necessary for the right reason and i will do my best to find that out because it's not that i'm trying to be difficult with them i actually want them to think about what they're doing and really think about actually box ticking is not just a neutral exercise for me it's a negative exercise because what it will do it will it will create a, a level of false comfort among the the potential change agents within that organization that they are doing what they should be they, they should be doing and they may well not be doing that so there's the c-suite people may look at this and say look you know we look at us we've we've got somebody to come and speak about what you know all things lgbtq plus aren't, aren't we good job done and actually the job is far from done they need to be thinking right. about embracing in, you know inclusion and, and difference including of lgbtq plus and just ticking a box is not going to do that so it is very important for me to find out are they serious about this and i quite often have declined to work with organizations that that i don't think are really serious about it or i have at least engaged with them and found ways to, to to get them to think change their thinking you know this is not meant to be a one and done you know you don't have a 45 minute lunchtime talk and assume that everything is is done um right. which 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 does happen and i i, yeah, I had a, a a talk with a client about a month ago now, i think it was who 
I'm not, this is not verbatim, but basically said, yes, we've got to get you in because we've done women and now we want to do gay. As if, you know, and I, I was, you know, I couldn't believe it. I, you know, I said, what do you mean? And, you know, what do you mean you've done women? And, you know, in, in, of course, they, it turns out they just had uh, somebody come and do a lunchtime talk or something like that and job done. And, and no, it's not done. And I don't want to encourage them to think that it is. So there are times when you just have to politely walk away. What I say to so many of our clients now, and, and we're not not around diversity or D, DEI necessarily. That's that's not our practice. But today, it's it's put down the microphone and pick up a notebook. Um, yep. The days of talking out are gone, and the days of engaging and, as you say, working through are are are, are with us and absolutely critical to include people in the process, uh, ongoing whatever that change process or acceptance process may be. What happens when you start layering on marginalized characteristics? And I, I ask because we've had some uh, incredible guests. I don't even know how to describe some of them. One woman who uh, went on to be a CNN hero of the year. She's uh, an opening speaker at South by Southwest. Uh, she came as a refugee to America because, frankly, being part of the LGBTQ plus community where she was born, she knew that her life expectancy wasn't that long. How, how do you how do you deal with that with organizations? Because it's not just people who are refugees or immigrants. There are just so many levels of obvious marginalization, if you yeah. will, if it's, a, yeah. if it's a color, if it's a gender identity or whatever. There's got to yeah. be a lot of things layered on there. For sure. And, you know, caveating, you know, thinking process by what I was just saying about not allowing organizations to be tempted to just, you know, box tick and say, okay, we are, we are what we want to be seen to be, you know, supporting, but we're not actually doing that much about it in, in, in reality. You know, it is important to, to see beyond the parameters of just your own little world you know we we all kind of get tempted as i said earlier to get tribal and to shrink back into our our little um echo chambers where we all agree with each other and heaven only knows social media is is has done you know enormous things to amplify that and and push us further apart you know the the, the political spectrum at the moment which you know used to be crowded around the century is so polarized and it's all because we're all talking to people who think like us and being pushed further and further away from each other so it is important to to not to to to, to just re retreat into that safety of like you know okay I'm 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 a gay man so let let's focus on 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 LGBTQ plus inclusion yes mm -hmm. that might be my wheelhouse but you know nobody is just one thing we are all a, 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 a you know multiverse of characteristics right and in the same in many cases people have several you know marginalizing characteristics and that's where we we have to blur the boundaries of, of of our thinking to embrace other people who have a natural allegiance with what we're trying to do but in in a different way and that's that's where intersectionality comes in right so you know when i was you know working in 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 the corporate space back in my old job um heading up the the lgbtq plus network yeah you know, i was always at pains to say nothing we we do in that 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 network must be seen to be just just a gay thing because all that does is give everybody who is not lgbtq plus an, an opportunity to say i'm not gay it's not my problem i'm not going to get involved you you need to basically make it their problem by saying look tangentially this is going to collide with your world whether you like it or not not just lgbtq plus but everybody is a is you know a, 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 a 
hodgepodge of different things. So you can have multiple characteristics. And intersectionality has been understood as a, uh, you know, a, a key driver of holistic inclusion for a, a very long time since I think it was Kimberly Crenshaw back in the eighties who, who really coined the term. But um, before then, you know, the Combahee Collective in Boston was was very famously sort of, you know, standing up and saying, look, that was a a, a bunch of, of of militant black lesbian women who were saying. Uh, at the time that the the women's lib movement wasn't doing for them what they needed to and neither was the civil rights movement because it wasn't seeing them holistically and they were still being marginalized so you know they were really making it clear to people that you need to think holistically just beyond your own little vested interest otherwise all we're doing is is creating lots of little silos and and you know what we want is is inclusion and celebration of difference and saying earlier the celebration of difference comes from really mining those differences as between a, a bunch of people so that you know you actually can you know spur off each other and create value between the discussions that you have that's where debate is actually meant to be valuable it's not just about shouting at the other side and saying this is my opinion and i'm not changing it's about trying to learn from each other and create something that's more than some of its parts and so it is so super important that organizations do have an intersectional focus and don't fall into the trap of saying you know, we're just going to be focusing this year, for example, on one particular characteristic. That all that's going to do is create a detriment to the others. You need to have a holistic approach, and you know, if you do have the holistic approach, you will see the payoff for it. If you don't, all you're going to do is create a lot of little mini fiefdoms, which won't be very good at being integrated with anywhere else. And that is the enemy of inclusion. Inclusion is about mm-hmm. the opposite of that. And you, you're talking a lot about um, organizations, but also the, the public space. How do you start to gauge positive change, whether it's in an organization and or in society around you? I mean, yeah, boy, that, that's another thing where you can tick a box and pretend the stats are, are working in your favor. But that must be a yeah. tough thing to gauge. It, it really is. And as I said earlier, I mean, you know, a, a lot of the the temptation to appear to be making progress comes from um, the fact that people, some, some characteristics are more visible than others. That that's that's true. You know, not just in the in the case of disability, for example, but it's also the case of other minority characteristics. I mean, you know, in the, in the workplace, just as an example for myself, you know, it takes a decision for me to share my my minority characteristic with people because right. ordinarily they wouldn't know i mean i'm not i'm not in a in a workplace i'm sufficiently older than of a generation where we were basically all just automatons back in the 80s and and i looked and sounded like <laughs> just like everyone else i just happened to be you know lgbtq plus and and for half my career i kept that to myself so you know it's it's hard to get meaningful data and statistics we just had the results of the uk Every in the UK, there's a, a, a national census every ten years. The years ending in a one. So the last one was in 2021, but it takes them a year to, you know, cut the statistics, the data, and, and create something meaningful. And they just published those statistics about two or three weeks ago, I think, or certainly less than less than a month ago. So we now, for the very first time, because that 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 census was the very first one to include questions around a lot of minority characteristics, including being LGBTQ plus, that were never there before. So we we have theoretically data about that, and you know, in, in the UK, for example, we now know that you know officially 1.5 million people identify as LGBTQ plus out of a population of 63 million or whatever it is. That's a great. It's great. I mean, you know, we've no way of auditing that. You know, I I, I use the word audit. You know. <laughs> 
advisedly because you know i'm a trained auditor that's what i did in my first career I, you know i spent my first few years auditing and i i kind of always want to be able to check the numbers of course we can't and generally speaking most people are, you know are aware that that's probably understating um the data but we've no way of proving it and and you know all you can do is look at a trend um because you know the, the chances are that an awful lot of people will have just not you know just not answered that question because it's entirely voluntary or would have answered the question with their family around and you know how many sons that are not not out and daughters that are not out to their parents would have stood up and said actually mom and dad i, I think you should be including me as lgbtq plus i mean of course there will be incidents where that just isn't going to happen right. so you know, we hope that in 10 years time but the next census there will be a positive trend and really that's all you can look at is is you know is there a positive trend? And that's both you know, in society and, and 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 in business. And in business, there there are positive trends. People are embracing the ESG. We just need to make sure that they don't go the wrong way and embrace it in the wrong way. You know, to to say that you know we're going to be appearing to do it. We're going to do the optics, but we're not going to do the substance. So you know, it's it's difficult. As I said earlier, you know, measuring inclusion is is much more difficult than measuring diversity and diversity without inclusion is 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 probably more, you know, is worse than doing nothing so you need to find ways to measure inclusion so it's it's looking at trends looking at results etc you know but we do know societally you know it's never a smooth upward path you know heaven only knows i'm sure it's the same where you are but in the uk right now the 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 situation particularly around trans inclusion is appallingly toxic mm-hmm. and you know it that's that's a real backward step and it's 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 polarizing people both within and outside the the lgb the lgb community because some of us are aligned to to, to the trans as i am or and some mm-hmm. of the people just don't see it as be something that they 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 need to worry about and going back to my earlier point we shouldn't just be looking after our own interests. If we are all about inclusion, we don't stop at the at the boundary of where our own vested interests end. Um, right. And you know, we we do need to include everyone. And the, L, the the T is part of the LGB is a classic example of that. Well, I I think one of the the points that you you know you you anchored this in was you talked about the census, and it might I for me too. I think it's a huge step because I think that recognition starts to lead to psychological safety. I think that when you see a million and a half, you go, ooh, even yeah. if not everybody, you know, self-identified the way that they might have wanted to, the, you know, as you describe, that's a very real number. And, and I think it's a very real number for those within that group and those outside of going, yeah. this is this is a very important, well, everyone's a very important group, but this is a very important group within our society. And, and to me, I guess, there, there, that safety starts to build around that understanding. Very much so. Well, psychological safety is crucial. Um, you know, it, it's it's you know the point you made earlier about you know should we be nice to each other and is it, what's it feel like to be? It, it's more than that, of course. But you know, a psychologically safe environment, in particularly in the work context, you know, it really comes back, as I said, to the value of difference. You know, if if difference is respected and 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 actively included and and effectively mindful for its value then it is really really beneficial to to whichever environment whether it's a commercial environment or just a bunch of friends you know you, you'll get more out of it than than just all you know singing from the same song sheet um mm-hmm. and you know it, it's you know psychologically safe environments are not 
typically harmonious environments quite the opposite people think that they must be all like you know everybody's sitting around singing kumbaya no actually what it basically means is people are quite often at loggerheads but they feel free to do that you know they yeah. feel safe to have those those differences of opinion to challenge receive wisdom to question is this the way we should be doing it not to just fall into sycophancy and groupthink um you know it, it there is value in 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 questioning something and knowing you can do so without fear of detriment you know like you know the if, if you've got an environment where people people talk you know can say something but they know they're going to be punished for it afterwards either directly or indirectly mm -hmm. by other colleagues or, or or you know um their managers or whatever that's not a psychologically safe environment and eventually people will stop talking which is the enemy of inclusion and certainly the enemy of embracing difference you know they the the space shuttle challenger you know exploded specifically because of a you know a lack of psychological yes. safety um that's been proven so you know that's a dramatic example but in in micro groups every single day uh, of the year everywhere in the world this is happening and you know it, it, it's not limited to workspaces but in a workplace context it is it is a crucial ingredient to to aspire to and not one that is, is particularly well understood about what it means in practice and that's something that i spend a lot of my time working with organizations trying to make them understand you know what 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 we mean by psychological safety and the value of belonging and what they can do in practice about it and that's where my background is useful because mm -hmm. i spent 35 years in the front office you know, i've never worked in hr or anything it's, you know i'm not rooted in theory i did an mba in international management with an hr focus but that's it i spent 35 years sitting in the front office seeing an awful lot of hr initiatives really not land you know because right. they were not translated from theory into practice coming at this from from that perspective means i do understand you've got to be practical about this and find ways that actually do translate into action for people and you know creating psychological safety is not something you can just you know say as a, a a nice you know little title you've got to do things to create it so jeff the one thing i would like to ask you about is you becoming a member of the advisory board of voda a mm. wellness app what what is that well, I mean, this is super important. Um, again, back when I was uh, in my corporate role, I was designated as a mental well-being ambassador for you know any staff to to treat me as a resource at my old workplace, and and that happened quite a bit. People would come and tap me on the shoulder and say, "Can we go for a coffee?" It was always inevitably related to the fact that I was also the chair of the LGBTQ plus network and you know somebody either had an issue themselves or didn't know how to deal with a colleague or they had a you know a friend or a son or whatever and you know it was it was you know creating stress which I would help them you know just see their way through I'm not a qualified psychologist or psychiatrist or anything but you know I'm, I'm used to dealing with certain of these issues and can point people in the right direction and, and offer them resources which they need so it's super important and what's probably not well understood by people who are outside the community is just how much higher the incidence of mental ill health in within the lgbt community is um, because of all the stresses and strains that, that go with not being able to be your authentic self in any environment and and also just you know in many cases you know, even in cozy places like London, you know, there are threats to your well-being, physical well-being as well as, yeah. as everything else. So, you know, you need to find ways to address that. And how 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 best do you do that? I mean, not everyone is really to, you know, to 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 grasp the nettle and say, I need therapy. And even if they do, can they afford, you know, hundreds of pounds an hour to do so, much less the time that that would take. So we've got to make therapy accessible. 
um, for mm. people. And we've got to make it, you know, deliver it in a way which which resonates with how people get their their information, their data, everything. Um, this day and age, and, and for a lot of the population, particularly the younger population. This is done in a in a in a in a techie way, um, and and apps are you know we've all got millions of apps on our phones. I exaggerate, but you know where would we be without them? We're all you know very very reliant upon them now, and and that's how you know young people get their information, and it it makes sense to deliver solutions to them in in that that platform as well. So Voda was created in 2022 by um, a chap called Jaron So, who's Singaporean, but him and a, a bunch of others. Everybody who's involved in 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 Voda is a member of the LGBTQ plus, plus community, and they are looking for solutions that they didn't have when they were younger themselves. Um, and so, you know, they're basically creating a solution in the image that they would have liked. And they've worked with a bunch of um, qualified psychologists and psychiatrists who, who you know run across the whole spectrum of diversities, you know, whether it's gender or ethnicity or, or orientation or identity or everything, um, to make sure that they're getting full intersectional perspectives on it. And it's it's important. I mean, you know, Stonewall, it's a, the, the UK charity over here, which presses for UK um, for LGBT rights in the UK, have noted like horrendous statistics just in a survey last year about you know half of you know half of people you know who identify as LGBTQ plus suffering from anxiety more than that suffering from depression, and the sort of cognitive um, cognitive um, therapy techniques that that uh, that Vode offers, you know, getting you on a, a sort of self drive to just put your earphones in sit down for a 10 or 20 minute module while you're on the tube or, or wherever you are in a very accessible way for a really small fee every month of I don't know, a few quid, you know, a fraction of what you'd spend if you actually wanted to put time enough into going to therapy. You can self-drive your way through through you know cognitive behavioral therapy and 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 meditation and, and all of the things which will help bring down the incidence of, of stress and anxiety. These these techniques have been proven to reduce both depression and anxiety by over forty percent. So it is really important that we we offer these things to to people who, you know, are, are, in, are in need and, and are not able to find other ways to do it. And quite often it's difficult to ask. We well, don't have to ask an app. You just download it and then off you go. You can do it discreetly on your own. And you know it, it makes total sense. So I went when I was approached about this. I was thrilled to um to just be able to offer you know i wouldn't even call it expertise just my experience of of of, of, of being a middle-aged gay man who's lived through an awful lot of this stuff and imposed all sorts of things on on myself as in terms of constraints which ultimately did affect my, my mental well-being whether or not i admitted it to myself um and you know i've come out of it okay but not everybody does and and you know we do need to give them as many tools as we can to try to help them you know deal with the stresses and strains of, of that, that come with being you know of a, a minority group and and one in particular which being a less visible minority group is one you can keep to yourself and bottle up and we all know that that is just a recipe for for right. you know disaster in terms of mental health right Jeff, as our time comes to a close, I just want to thank you for your your passion, your work, your openness and and ask you let's end on a, a nice light question what's your legacy <laughs> what's my legacy that's a, light, you, that's that's a light, question. light closing question oh my goodness what is your that's legacy good. going to be for all uh, this? I, I mean i i haven't written my legacy yet because i'm still i've still got plenty of plenty of plans <laughs> in the tank um but you know it's it's really just that back, back to that point of difference right you now the point i made about making a difference if if i can at the end of it all of this say 
I have made a difference, then then that's really all I can ask of myself. I'm I'm not going to change the world. Um, you know, but the 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 motto of of the inclusion imperative, my company is making the world a more inclusive place, one organization at a time. And that's that's got to be the the extent of your ambition, really. You 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 can't expect to 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 change the world. I mean, a lot but bigger and better people than 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 me have not been able to change the world. I'm just going to be, you know, a, a, a noisy cog in 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 the wheel that's going to try to make that that happen a little bit more, just nudging it in the right direction. So, you know, if, if a few more organizations, a few more people just celebrate difference and realize that there's value in, in, in embracing and, and, and taking on board perspectives other than those in their immediate frame of reference, then, then, you know, that's all I can have asked of myself. And I will be able to give myself a metaphorical pat on the back as, as, as job well done, but it's not about that. You know, it's, it's in, in, it's not really about the acclaim. It's where we started. It was, it's wonderful to get acclaim, but in the end, ultimately, you know, I, I want people to be um, able to be themselves and, and to be celebrated for who they are and the value that they can bring to businesses, to society, to social groups, to everything um, without having to, to, to worry about compromising themselves, you know, self-editing, self-segregating, covering, code switching, all of these things which basically just take away from the value of the individual and the value that that individual can contribute. Jeff Parsons, The Inclusion Imperative. Thank you so much for joining. Say hi to the future today. Thank you very much, Ken. If you enjoy this episode and you want to support our show, leave us a review and join our mailing list by visiting www.spider.works. That's S-P-Y-D-E-R.works and subscribe to our channel. Leave us a comment with who we should interview next. Thank you for listening and see you all next Friday.